how the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. Our creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way. an empty grave for the risen one is overcome now the silence breaks in the name of Jesus as the heavens cry that the earth respond in all creation shouts with a voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God we will not be moved when the earth gives way for the risen one is overcome and for every tear there's an empty grave for the risen one is overcome shall reign forever strongholds now surrender for the Lord our God has overcome who can be against us Jesus our defender he is Lord and he has overcome he shall reign forever strongholds now surrender for the Lord our God has overcome Hey, good morning, church. Uh, this is Pastor Zach. It's good to be with you uh, this morning, this week, for our next uh, stop in the Gate Crasher series. Um, coming to you in a little bit of a different context this morning. Uh, if you have Facebook, hopefully you were able to connect with us this past Sunday night, last Sunday night, uh, for our uh, virtual worship night. We recorded that in. Um, what's known as the Sunday School Room, or uh, I refer to it kind of as the annex of the uh, sanctuary uh, here at Mount Pleasant. And since we had everything over here for that, uh, just decided to 
kind of leave it here and start recording from over here. And so it's amazing how I was saying to Tyler in this season, just a little bit of change feels really great because we've gotten so used to kind of being stuck in places. And so it's nice to, to take in a little bit of a different place and, and uh, record the podcast and a little bit of a different setting. And hopefully you'll be joining us on Sunday evenings for our virtual worship nights. Last week was great. Really excited about this week's as well. Uh, as I said, we, we've been in the series Gate Crashers. This is our third week in the Gate Crashers series. Uh, coming out of Jesus' statement that on this rock, I will build my church. Uh, he himself will build his church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And last week we... We looked at the sermon entitled Triage, where Jesus talks about the sick needing the doctor. And then in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, the idea of ministry of reconciliation. And this week, uh, we're going to continue to kind of look at the role of the church, the responsibility of the church uh, in doing good. And, and I want to just uh, say one more thing. It's kind of like a reminder. Um, when I say the church... I'm not talking necessarily about Mount Pleasant. Certainly Mount Pleasant is included in that, but I'm not talking explicitly or exclusively about Mount Pleasant. When I say the church, I am talking not even necessarily the church as we maybe think of like denominational churches. What I am talking about is the committed body of Christ, the disciples of Jesus who are following and striving and growing uh, to be more and more like Jesus. And so as we look at the responsibilities of the church, I am talking about us taking our individual personal responsibility as disciples and corporately gathering that responsibility as the church. Uh, and so as we get into today, the church doing good, um, I'm excited to share that word with you this, uh, this morning or whenever it is you're listening to this, but let's pray uh, together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be in the word together, to continue to grow. And um, man, I would use the word thrive. Uh, Jesus, I thank you that, that even in this season that has been so difficult, and we know, we know, Lord, that there have been those who have really um, had a rough go of it, uh, those who have been themselves sick uh, or, or dealt with this virus, those who have lost loved ones uh, to this virus. We know that there are those who have um, served and worked in some pretty intense situations and circumstances over the last number of weeks and months. And we know that there are those who have felt the, the financial or the economic, or maybe we could even say uh, those who have wrestled with the um, anxiety piece of this season. And so we, we just continue to ask your hand upon us as we, as we you know, make it through this time. And as we, uh, as we seek to thrive in this time, because you are so good. And so we thank you for that. And so as we look at um, kind of coming off that ministry of reconciliation last week, as we are ambassadors of Christ, you know, this week we're looking at being called to do good. How do we do good? When do we do good? To whom do we do good to? Uh, and so uh, challenge us today, Holy Spirit, would you come and challenge us, encourage us, convict us, heal us. Strengthen us, stretch us. We thank you for all this, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, I want to start by telling you a story uh, this week. 
last Saturday night, my, uh, my niece Jaden, she's 10, many of you would know her, she came and stayed overnight with us, and she had a couple, uh, couple simple requests. One, that we would have a campfire. Two, that we would watch uh, a movie, uh, specifically The Lion King, the animated version now, not this newfangled live-action one. Imagine, imagine the... Uh, the brilliance, if you will, of a company that says, let's release a bunch of animated movies, and then 20 years from now, we'll remake them as live-action movies to make another set of bucks off those stories. And then the great thing is, in another 20, 25 years, Disney will re-release all these live-action movies as, like, robot movies or whatever the next big thing is <laughs> or whatever's in the future. But anyway, uh, so we'll, we'll watch, you know, she wanted to have a campfire, watch The Lion King, and have tacos, uh, which is a pretty great night, if you ask me. That's, that's a recipe for success. And so we, 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 indeed, we indeed built the, the campfire. In fact, I said, why can't we kind of hobble this all together in one thing? And so we, we made our campfire, and we set up our TV outside and spread some blankets out and had tacos for dinner, sat around in the campfire for a little bit, and then as it got darker, we put the Lion King up on the, the TV that we had on our back porch and uh, we sat and enjoyed The Lion King. But uh, for those of you who know, know Jaden, she's, she's a bit of a ray of sunshine, and so we couldn't just have this be the way it is. We had to have decorations. So she found all these balloons that we had here at the house, and she's blowing them up, and we're tying them onto the clothesline pole that's outside the parsonage in the backyard. And as Jaden went to tie one of the, the balloons to the one clothesline, that thing just snapped right in half. This clothesline just snapped and fell down, and as we looked at the clothesline and examined it, how does a clothesline just snap? I mean, this is, this is like old school, you know, wire, metal wire, with like that kind of vinyl or rubbery coating, and it just snapped, and, and you could look at it and see that it was all rusted out inside and, and had fallen apart, sort of just disintegrated. Um, and so I got asking around to a couple of folks who have been around Mount Pleasant for a while. I talked to our former pastor, uh, Tom Myers, and he thinks that that clothesline was put in place there 20 years ago, about 20 years ago. And so over time, that clothesline has, has weathered cold and heat and rain and snow and all sorts of clothes hanging from it and whipping in the wind, wet clothes, heavy clothes, and after a while it just rusted and it wore out. It just rusted and it wore out. What, what on earth does clotheslines have to do with crashing into gates? We're going to look at a passage of scripture today from Galatians 6. And you know, churches, we crash into the gates of Hades as we, as we heard Jesus say, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. As we crash into those gates, as, as we come up against the, uh, the forces of darkness and death, man, it, it can be tiring. The battle can feel long. The seasons can feel difficult. And after a while, it is easy to get worn out. It is easy to get worn out. Just like that clothesline after hanging there for 20 years, just got worn out. And Paul gives us a challenge today in these, in these couple of verses uh, at, at, 
at kind of the beginning of Ephesians 6, or Galatians 6, uh, to do good. I want to share these verses. We're going to pick up in verse uh, 6 of Galatians 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And then verse 9 and 10 is kind of really, want, really where I want us to dial in today. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. Paul's instructions in verses 9 and 10 follow these Verse, uh, the verses with some thought and instruction in verses 6, 7, and 8 that kind of have this idea of, of sharing between those being taught and those doing the teach, teaching. And I'll admit to you that this is a little bit of an uncomfortable thing to talk about because certainly I don't want it to sound like I am advocating that as pastor or teacher, man, make sure, make sure you're you know, taking care of this fella. I am very blessed and very well uh, taken care of here at Mount Pleasant, uh, both, uh, could we say, financially and um, just in general. Like, I am cared for by my people and I'm blessed by them. But essentially what Paul is saying here is, as you learn and grow under someone spiritually, verse 6, anyone who receives instruction in the word, you should also support those people who are teaching you by sharing good things, whether that's financial or otherwise. And sharing isn't for the benefit of the teacher necessarily, but rather, like a farmer planting seed, it comes back in a harvest, all depending on what you're planting, whether it's of the spirit or of the flesh, as we heard read there. And that leads us to Paul's words in verse 9. Do not become weary in doing good. Do not become weary in doing good. And that's why it's so important for us as the church to remember that doing good requires patience, and it requires divine motivation. Patience and divine motivation to do good. The more the farmer plants, certainly we understand the more work that is involved. The more care involved, the more activity involved, the more time required. But if that time and energy and work is put in, the better the harvest. It takes time and hard work. Producing a good crop takes time and hard work. There are times where as we do good, it will feel like we are taking two steps forward and three steps back. If any of you have had the occasion to be a part of ministry or to walk alongside friends or family through difficult times as you attempt to do good, as you attempt to bless them and encourage them and care for them, you will understand what I mean when I say two steps forward and three steps back. For those of you that are farmers and gardeners, you know that frustration where you put all this time and effort into something, planning and caring for it, and then overnight one night, some deer come through and nip all the buds off. You know, it's all this time and energy put in, and in one moment, there's a setback. Patience 
and divine motivation for doing good. The NIV uses these phrases, do not grow weary, uh, at the beginning of verse 9, and then at the end, uh, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, Don't grow weary and don't give up. Uh, Your version of Scripture, depending on what you're reading this week, may use the phrase, lose heart. Lose heart. That's an interesting phrase in the Greek because it, it would, it would uh, kind of commonly be applied to the idea of the fear or wariness a woman would experience during labor at a time where the work is hard and painful, but at that moment is yet unfinished and certainly unrewarded. Those of you who are listening to this who have had children, you know that labor is not a fun experience necessarily, and it comes with a lot of pain and a lot of work and effort. And there was probably a moment where you just wished you could stop. And yet, now on the back end of that, being able to see your child, being able to hold that newborn baby, it kind of all went away. We certainly know that there's other things in life that are similar to that, not just the bearing of children, but the sense of, of digging in and, and working hard at something, going through difficult seasons and, and painful times and hard work. And feeling like, oh, it would just be so easy to give up. And yet at that moment, you would be unfinished and unrewarded. In ministry and in church doing good, those moments are the easiest to lose heart and give up in. And yet that's exactly when we need to not grow weary. If we are motivated by the flesh, we will wear out and burn out. Paul says here in verse 8, Anyone who pleases his sinful nature, if the, pers- if the purpose of doing, if the purpose of sowing is to please the sinful nature, then the harvest will be destruction. But if it is the, the purpose for planting and sowing is to please the Spirit, eternal life will be the reward. Church, when it comes to doing good, when it comes to the church doing good for the community, for those around it, for those who maybe know Jesus, for those who maybe don't know Jesus, it requires patience and it requires divine motivation. If I am only ever, um, if I'm only ever motivated by my flesh to do good things or to be good, I will, at the end of the day, harvest more flesh. And that's not a good thing. The flesh grows stronger and bigger the more we sow in it. And yet when I sow in the spirit, I reap eternal life. Uh, and that's, that's what's so weird about doing good. You can do good things. There's a lot of things that are done that are very good, but they're not done for the right reason. They're not done but from the right motivation. And so I, I would venture to say to you that anything done that is good, but done for the wrong reason is in fact not good. And so we must have our motivation right and we must be patient in that motivation. And then Paul says this, right? He says a very interesting, verse 10 is really, really interesting to me because it's one of these verses that if we read it purely on the surface, we can walk away with some flawed ideas, right? So let me read verse 10 to you one more time. So verse nine, let us not become weary in doing good, but uh, at the proper t- for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, 
especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So let's break that down into two phrases, right? The first part of verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Last Sunday, for those of you uh, who have been coming to our drive-through connection, uh, Amy read to you the parable out of Luke of, um, of the Good Samaritan. And there's this great question that gets asked of Jesus as he shares that parable. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And, and there's a question that could kind of be brought up as a result of the beginning of verse uh, 10 in Galatians 6 that is somewhat similar. When should I do good? When should I do good? Well, if you read verse 10, the beginning part there, as you have the opportunity as you have the opportunity. But if you look at the wording in that, right? So, so that could maybe say to me, oh, when I, you know, as I have the opportunity, when it arises, that's when I should do good. The Greek wording is a little different. It actually says, while we have the opportunity. While we have the opportunity. Do you hear how that changes it? As we have the opportunity versus while we have the opportunity. Our command and instruction is to do good as disciples of Jesus, isn't when or isn't if, it's while. While we have the opportunity. And another kind of thing that's a little off is opportunity here. I think we tend to hear that and think of, of the correct circumstances or the correct situation. If the opportunity arises, if opportunity knocks. The, the Greek word for, for opportunity here is time. And so really what we're saying is while we have the time, we should do good. And when it says time, it's not talking about a schedule. In other words, well, if you have a few minutes here, you should do good. Or as long as, as long as the opportunity to do good that presents itself to you doesn't keep you from getting on to the next thing, you should do good. Church, I would say to you that while we have the opportunity, while we have the time to do good, means in this life, while we are here, while we have the time between when we are born and when we head into whatever's next for you, depending on if you know Jesus or not, we have a responsibility and could I say we are accountable to an instruction to do good. Not as in if it's convenient for our schedule, but now. Now is the time to do good. When should I do good? Now. Paul says in Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity. Again, the same word for opportunity there. Make the most of your time. If you're asking when is the right time to do good, the answer is now. Now is the time. I want to share a story with you um, about the idea of time and about the idea of when to do good. We've been doing, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast or if you follow us, on Facebook, uh, or if you attend here at Mount Pleasant, you're very aware of our Peace Pack ministry. And, and we've been doing these, these little things. I mean, they, they have like, I can't, I can't express to you like the commonness or the um, trivialness maybe uh, of, of these kits. There, there's nothing special in them. Um, it's a bottle of water, a bottle of Gatorade, a candy bar, a, a little bag of chips or pretzels, and some gum or some mints. We're not giving away, you know, keys to cars here or like the golden ticket that'll get you into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory or anything like that. There's nothing incredible or amazing about these kits. And yet what these are, are 
things that we can use to do good. And so uh, we have a, a lady here at church, uh, her name is Maureen, and uh, Maureen came through our drive through connection a couple weeks ago and took uh, a couple peace packs with her and um, took them home, left for the day uh, after coming through the drive through on Sunday. And I think if, if I could say this, hopefully I'm not putting words in Maureen's mouth, kind of forgot about them in the sense that she just let them in her car. She didn't take them in with her when she got home. She was home doing a couple things and uh, then had to run out and needed to go to the Dollar Tree to get a few things. This is about two weeks ago. Maureen pulls into the parking lot at the Dollar Tree, parks her car, goes into the store, and as she's going into the store, a gentleman kind of like in a, in a hurried way kind of, kind of rushes past her on his way out of the store. And, and I think if you were to ask Maureen, she could sense that there, he was kind of like upset. You could, you could just tell he was leaving kind of in a gruff way. And as Maureen enters further into the Dollar Tree, there's a cashier standing there who is visibly upset, has some tears in her eyes, is, is expressing some, some things. And it sounds like what had just happened was this gentleman was upset about something to do with either having to wear a mask or the way things were being handled or, or, or something that he didn't really care for. And he took it out on this woman uh, who was who just this employee just trying to you know, do whatever. Um, she ends up sharing with Maureen that uh, she is a cancer patient and trying to work and, you know, keep herself uh, financially taken care of and stuff, you know, that kind of thing. And this guy just jumped all over her. And in that moment, Maureen says, oh, my peace packs are in the car. So Maureen goes out to the car, gets one of her peace packs and comes back in the Dollar Tree and just hands it to this lady and says, I'm really sorry that happened to you. We just, I just want to bless you. And the lady starts sobbing. And they're in the middle of the Dollar Tree. Uh, and, and it's very funny to hear. Hopefully, hopefully no law enforcement is listening to this and like going to go beat down Maureen's door. The lady asks Maureen, would it be all right if I hug you? And Maureen just, it just happened, right? When is the opportunity to do good? When is the time to do good? The time is now. The time is now, church. Maureen has the opportunity to do good in the Dollar Tree, and she does it. We have had this quote uh, by a, guy, a super old guy back in the day, uh, an English kind of philo- or, uh, an Irish philosopher, and 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 um, you know, just one of these old guys that you see black and white pictures of, and sounded really smart back in the day, Edmund Burke. And and we've taught this quote into our twenty-year-old men. Uh, in fact, hopefully if they're listening to this, they'd be able to even finish it before I start it. He said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Church, I want to challenge you. You don't have to look far to see darkness in our world. You don't have to look far to see the, the gates the gates are here, man. The gates are doing the work that, that they have set out to do. We as the church have a responsibility to crash into those, to do it in a way that we do it patiently, that we do it motivated in the spirit, not in our flesh. And the time to do it is now. 
right? So, so instead of looking at the, at the beginning part of six, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Well, when it suits me, when it's convenient. You know, I think there's, you, there's a way that you could read that phrasing and take that away. No, 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 no. The time to do good is now. While we have the time, do good. And then I said the back part of that, that, that verse can be a little taken a little out of context if you read it solely on the surface. Uh, take, uh, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. I believe that there is a temptation at times, uh, and I'm not speaking of anyone in particular. I'm not, I'm not at all pleased with hands in the air and, and peace and love in my heart. There are times where the temptation is to read that as the church, to read that as the family of believers, as Paul says here, and to think that means we are superior to others. And here, here's what I mean by that. The instruction here is to take care of the church, especially, be, you know, be good to all people, especially to those who are part of the family of believers. So we read that especially and we think, so the church comes first. We're the most important. We're superior. You're supposed to help the church out. You're supposed to help the church out before you do anything else. And I think the temptation is to look at that and say that the church comes first. The, we, we in the church come first. Let me say this to you. We are to care for the church not because of any type of superiority, but because it sets the tone. So here's what I'm saying to you. The reason that we need to care for each other within the church is so that then we understand to go and care for others outside the church. It would look pretty foolish to care for others outside the church if we, within the church, aren't even doing that. But here's the sad state of affairs. Nobody shoots their wounded the way the church does. Nobody cannibalizes and backbites each other the way the church does. There is not an organization on the planet that speaks one thing out of the side of their mouth and then among their own people tears that same thing down. And that's not, being, that's not me being critical of the church. And again, when I say the church, I am talking about the entirety of the church. We are flawed We are mistaken at times. But if we ever get to a place where we say, no, the church comes first, make sure we're taking care of the church first, then for whatever's left, the scraps that are left, we'll give, we'll give to the community. We'll give to the lost. Now, please don't mishear me. We gotta be careful that we're also in an effort to reach out, reaching over. Like, we wanna make sure that we're caring for, for everybody across the board. Here, it's, it's kind of like this weird thing, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, the idea that if you're ever flying in a plane and, and all of a sudden the cabin uh, depressurizes and, and those, those oxygen masks fall from the ceiling, they tell you, as an adult, even if you have children with you, and, and I know that the first, um, the first inclination is to like help my kid, I have to help my kid. They tell you as an adult, you yourself have to put that mask on yourself so that you can then go and help people. If we as the church aren't doing good to those within the church, how can we ever be expected to do good out of the church? But it is not from a place of we do the church folk first and then if anything's left, that's, we'll help out a little bit. 
the reality is we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Do good to fellow disciples, not because of superiority, but because it sets the tone. Not only that, but doing good within the family comes with some, I hate to use the word conditions, but it, co- it comes with some things. To do good to the family, to do good within the church, means that there's going to be times where we call each other out in a loving way. It means that we're going to sharpen each other. It means that we're going to come alongside each other and point out some things that don't belong there. We're going to hold each other accountable. I think one of the things we've messed up as a church is that we have expected the culture around us and people who do not claim to follow Jesus to act and behave as people who do, all the while we ourselves aren't necessarily doing that. We must, we must hold each other accountable to the gospel. And then as we have that ministry of reconciliation, we reach out to people around us to draw them to the gospel then as they come under the gospel, hold them accountable. Paul writes this, this letter to the Galatian church dealing with this issue of Judaizers, these people who were, were, were Jewish Christians who are now trying to walk out this tension between being free in the gospel and yet having grown up in a culture that is so adherent to the law. And so he's trying to like push freedom on people and that, you know, you can let go of that stuff. Gentiles who become Christians don't need to get circumcised. Gentiles who become Christians don't necessarily need to adhere to the law the way your background and your history has. We can't expect people who aren't following Jesus to act like people who are. And at the same time, we should expect people who are following Jesus to act like people who are following Jesus. There's a depth of goodness. You know, I would say in many ways we, we show goodness to the community around us, to those who don't know Jesus, in a very almost, um, if I could say, material way or very tangible way, whereas the depth of goodness to each other within the church certainly involves those things, but it also carries with it a, a spiritual goodness, an expectation of accountability, an expectation of, of, of iron sharpening, an expectation of, 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 of growing as disciples and followers of Jesus. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. It will prevail against the gates of Hades. Don't grow weary in doing good. Be patient. Depend on the strength of the Lord. Don't wait. Do good now. And do good to all people. And do authentically spiritual good to each other. Let me pray for you, church. Gracious God, I want to come before you this morning, and, and as part of the church, uh, I confess to you that there have been times where I have messed this up. There have been times where my attitude has been that church comes first in a superior fashion. There have been times where I have grown weary in doing good, probably because I was trying to do good out of my own ability or strength. There have been times where I've become impatient in doing good. There have been times, Lord, where I have allowed my schedule and my um, desires to dictate whether or not I have time to do good. I confess that 
and ask your forgiveness, not only for myself, Lord, but certainly for us here at Mount Pleasant if we've ever done that, and for us as the church. Father, as we seek to become um, healthier and stronger disciples in you, would you allow us to be patient and to be uh, motivated by your strength? Would we sow out of the spirit, not out of the flesh? Would we reap out of the spirit, not out of the flesh? And as we do so, would we not grow tired in that and grow weary in that? But rather, Lord, would we, would we be able to do good to all people in this time, knowing that our days, you know, Scripture tells us to teach us to number our days. Paul, again, in that verse from Ephesians 5, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Live, live as wise, not as unwise. Make the most of every time. Make, a, make the most of this time. Would you allow us to be good to one another as the family of believers to set the tone then for us to be good to those in our communities and outside the church? We love you, Lord. We're thankful for you. And we thank you that you are good. And all God's people say, amen. God bless you, church. God, you are faithful.
away, but with joy our hearts can say, never once did we ever walk alone, carried by your constant grace, held within 